This is episode number 145 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast. Um, I've got a special guest with me, fantastic guy, uh, Mike Acker. He's he is the author of the book "Speak with No Fear," and I'm really happy to have him on because he's actually a, a contemporary in the in the in the speaking business. You've been uh, Mike. You've been doing uh, coaching and helping people overcome just fear in general, specifically public speaking fear for, for quite a while. And, um, and I, I just want to kind of introduce you to the folks that are here listening to the podcast so that they can get uh, the, 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 the content that you have that's come from a totally different perspective. But I think you're going to find quite a bit of similarities between kind of what they've been hearing here on the podcast and, and probably what you have to say as well. So, so tell us about yourself, Mike, how do you, how did you get in the speaking industry? What did you do? And, and um, how did you go from from doing what you were doing before to actually being a professional speaker? Well, people pay you now to go out and speak for a living, right? Yeah, thanks, Doug. It started when I was a kid, where my mom you got she, paid to speak professionally when you were. No, I'm just joking. I'm when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. so it started with that where she got me in front of some audiences, and she would spend time with me and grill me on on practicing and doing those poetry things. And it was not something I actually wanted to do. So if you're listening and you don't like speaking and you are terrified, that was me. My mom pushed me all the way through elementary to get up there in front of people, invested in me. And then and then she ruined it by moving me down to Mexico where I had to learn how to speak in a different language. Oh, people my God. Me. And then I, I learned finally how to get confident there. Then I came back to the United States with a firm plan of being a lawyer. And, and so I'm so sorry college, for you, man. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> yeah. And then I, in college, I ended up getting into debate. And from debate, I finally learned how to communicate in my voice and how to speak with confidence. And from there, I really learned how to enjoy when I was able to communicate in such a way that helped people. Absolutely. So, that was my big thing when I realized that my goal in life is to help other people realize their potential. And one of the ways I could do it was through speaking to people. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that I tend to kind of find is that a lot of times folks will kind of see folks like yourself or, or maybe they even see me sometimes where they go, God, man, that guy kind of knows how to speak. That guy knows how to stand up and say what he wants to say, the way that he wants to say it. Man, it must be a natural at it, right? But they don't realize how many years it took to kind of get to this point and the struggles that that it kind of goes through. So I, th- I think um, um, that's one of the things that a lot of times people don't don't see all the hard work that we kind of put into this. Um, the, I, interestingly, though, you don't have to be you know, fantastic as a, as a speaker, you just got to be a little bit better than most of the people that get up to speak for yeah. the most, because they're not, most people aren't that good at it. Right. So I, I'm assuming that's probably what you see as well in your, in your career. You're seeing that. Absolutely. Because we end up working with a lot of clients to coach them. So I do the speaking, but I also do the coaching for speaking. Right. 
so I work with these people who are top level leaders. And we're talking really incredible individuals, whether it's in politics or in education, or it's in a CEO of a multinational company. Several of the people we work with are CEOs of multinational companies, amazing, amazing people, amazing talent. And yet, even with all of their hard work ethic, their intelligence, their drivenness, with their business savvy, they have not been able to communicate in a way that really, really takes their message and puts it outside of their own realm. So I love being able to bring out that best in them. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, so tell us about the book. Tell, tell us about the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Speak With No Fear book, because I know you've got a number of different strategies in the book that are that are really helpful to folks. So so how, yeah, how do you go about writing it? And, and what's the what's the story behind the behind getting that book out? Yeah. So I did the speaking thing. Right. And then from the speaking thing, I started coaching people along the way, just kind of on the side. At first, people who worked for me as I was leading a non nonprofit organization. And then I was doing that for money on the side, just here and there, taking some different clients. And again and again, the thing that I saw over about 17 years of doing that up to that point in time, now it's been 20, people kept on asking, how do I overcome fear in speaking? So again and again, I'd come back with these responses and I started writing them down because I gave it again and again. Right, sure. And eventually I decided that I was going to write a book about it. And I started putting it out there. It was going to be like this short little ebook, right? Just, hey, here's something for you. But then it became this book that I spent time on and really started believing in. And I wrote it as a way to be a motivational speaker to them because I have done a lot of motivational speaking. So there's anecdotes and humor and self-deprecating stories. And I'm putting it out there to motivate them with some, t- some, some takeaways, some strategies that have some actions that you can do. So for example, one of the things I talk about is when you speak, speak to one. And the idea is this, that often we start thinking about the crowd. Like we go in there, like, what is everybody going to think? What is everybody going to say? And we are minds so much on everybody. And if you think about it, crowds are scary. Crowds, mm-hmm. crowds do awful things to people. But if you were to isolate someone in the crowd, you could then find that connection. Even if you didn't agree with them, you could find a connection with them. And so if you're going to speak to people, instead of seeing them as 30 different people, like, for example, one of the clients I was working with at the time, she's like, I'm going to go talk to these 30 arrogant guys. <laughs> like, oh, great. Well, if that's the way you're thinking about it. Yeah, there you, go. Right? you just labeled them. And I said, let's stop. Who do you know? She's like, well, I know a guy named Todd. Well, tell me about Todd. And she started telling me about Todd. It sounds like you actually like Todd. Well, I mean, he's not bad. And what if you go in, instead of thinking you're talking to 30 arrogant guys, what if you go in and talk to one person? And even when I've spoken to crowds of 3,000 plus, I use that strategy. I don't hibernate in the green room. I'm out there mixing and mingling and trying to get to know people and really understanding their story. So now instead of being a faceless crowd, I know some people by name. And now I'm speaking to their benefit. I'm going to help them. And if we can take away the idea of I'm talking to eight salespeople. Well, no, I'm talking to Joey and I'm talking to Samantha and I'm talking to so-and-so. Then all of a sudden we start communicating with less fear because we're not fearing the unknown. We're talking to people we know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I, I guess I probably, I mean, I totally agree with you and I, I just never kind of thought about speaking to the group that way. I, I think I kind of do that naturally, 
but I didn't know I was doing it, you know? So like, for instance, like a, a lot of times when I'm speaking, I don't do a lot of the motivational speaking and stuff like that. And anymore, I used to do that, but most of what I do now is more classroom training and speaking in front of groups. And so, or in, in front of smaller groups, but uh, one of the things that I've always focused on is trying to um, tailor my delivery to that specific group, the people that are in that yeah. group right now. And I think that's one of the things that makes me more comfortable when I speak and, and makes it a little bit easier for the folks to kind of listen to me because they're, they're hearing something that's, that's, that's appropriate to them. So I, I love the tip about going out and kind of mingling because I'm, I'm assuming that helps you better tailor the delivery. And you, you've probably, yeah. I, I assume that on occasion you've got these great stories and all of a sudden, right before you go up on stage, you've switched stories that you're going to tell because this one's going to work better because of, I just talked yeah. to Mary out in the second row, right? Yeah, absolutely. You get to know, and I, even in the corporate world, right? Before virtual settings, if people would come early and take a moment to talk to people and really think about that person and understanding what is going to help them, because ultimately your presentation's got to help people. It can't be about the product that you're going to do. It can't just be I got to do this because I got to do this. My boss told me to because that's a very that's a very lackluster purpose for your communication. Right. But anything that we are communicating that's worth communicating in more than 30 seconds is got to help people. The end result is this makes my employees or our consumers or whoever we're talking about, it makes their life better. And if you don't believe in it, then go find a different job. That's a, Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, you, if, you, if, that, if that's not true, then somebody else should be up speaking and not you, right? So Right. right. And so find that, that space. And then communicate to people in such a way that you're going to help them out. Another strategy that I talk about in there is UBU. And I love this one. It's one of my favorite ones. It's one of the ones that people say that's really helped me. Uh, overall, the book's got an incredible, incredible reviews on, on Amazon. It got picked up on Forbes and some other places. But there are some people who've said the book's trash. Don't read it. So that's when you know you're on a good path. <laughs> one person... <laughs> One person picked it up at the Minneapolis airport and he called me up. He said, I want to come meet with you. So we met and he said, Mike, I've never been given permission to be myself. Mm. And I always thought I had to be like this. And the idea is this, that when you're trying to be someone else in front of other people, you're not only carrying the weight of the things that you have to say, but you're also carrying the weight of trying to be a different person. Sure. And so many people have this idea of what communication in corporate world should be like. So maybe they're like this. In fact, I was working with one client and CEO of a company in several different states. And he's like, hey, Mike, we're talking like this. And he's laughing. And he's like, ah. And then I said, all right, let's go ahead and give your presentation. And he goes, this week. <laughs> like, what just happened? Wait, 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 wait. Give me the other guy. That Give me the, yeah. I want to talk to the other guy, not you, man. Absolutely. I actually stopped and laughed and I'd built a rapport with him. So I wouldn't do that with most people. <laughs> sure. but I, and I literally said, what just happened there? And he says, what do you mean? I said, you just got, you just got to be a total different person than the person that I've met all this time. Right. And, and he thought, well, you know, I, I gotta be serious. Oh, well, I mean, well, it's okay to be yourself. I mean, that's what people want. People want you, right? Yeah, I mean, even giving a eulogy, I I am able to be myself. And right. Yeah, I'm not cracking the jokes, me, but I'm able to be myself and sympathetic and get my my point across by by encouraging them. So ultimately, UBU, and I talk about this in the book. Like, um, I love this analogy. 
of using front lateral raises. So if you, if you take two weights, say like you take 10 pounds okay. and you take 10 pounds of both arms, no matter how strong you are, unless you're, well, unless you're really strong, if you put those 10 pounds out in front of you, after not too long in a front lateral raise, your arms parallel to the ground, after a little while, you're going to begin to shake. Right. But you take the same 10 pounds and you bring it right next to your chest and no problem at all. You could do that all day long. Moms are carrying kids that are 20 pounds all the time. No big deal for a long period of time. So what is it? It's the further away you get from yourself, from your core, hmm. the more effort it takes. So if you have a content, for example, you're, you're working on something, you're putting together a presentation about what you need to do to increase sales. If you don't know what you're talking about, then it's like a 10 pound weight far away from your body. But right. if you really know the concept and you know the flow of your outline, then it's still a weight, but it's close to you. And right. likewise, there's a, there's a weight of personhood. If I'm trying to be like Doug, if I'm trying to be like the boss that I once had, if I'm trying to be like someone in my mind I've created or some fictional character, then it's like I'm, I'm trying to be like someone way out here and it's heavy. And, yep. and you are shaky because you aren't being yourself. But if you learn who you are and you're able to bring you up there, still wait, there actually should be some nervousness no matter how good you get because nervousness is energy. But ultimately, it's not making you shake because you're comfortable. Right. Hey, I think we all, and, and I, for at least when I'm kind of covering similar topics like that, it, it, one of the things that um, I think it's real easy for somebody to logically understand yeah. But how do you how do you get them to kind of see that um, uh, that a lot of times people they they believe in their head and they believe very strongly that the audience wants them to do X. You know, this is the way things are done, and the audience wants me to do do it this way. And it doesn't matter what what you kind of tell me. You have some tips on how to kind of get people to see that, you know, a lot of times just because everybody else is doing it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that it's kind of the, the best way or, um, or, um, or yeah, that, that the, I, I know that, that sometimes folks will kind of say the, the, I hate the phrase, by the way, I hate the phrase imposter syndrome, you know, but, but a lot yeah. of times people say, I'm, they're going to figure out that I'm not really as good at this as what, what I'm trying to make them think that I am which um, trust me, if you were not good at what you do, you wouldn't be doing it for very long. Right. I mean, it's like, that's, that's the, that's the business world. Right. So yeah, I like to ask them this. I, I like to ask who, who in the corporate world do you know that's been a very successful speaker? And at first there, there's like a question like, okay. And then I'll kind of guide him and like, well, think about some of the big companies like, like the Facebooks and, and Microsoft and Apple. And then, Almost always, as soon as I say Apple, people go, oh, yeah, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Right, sure. And then the moment I, which is where I'm trying to get to, right? And I'll say, when Steve Jobs started doing the keynotes that he did, how do you think most tech CEOs communicated? And there's a thought like, well, I said, go back and watch Bill Gates. Go back, back and watch some of the other ones from that time. Steve Jobs broke the mold. Right. And here's what he did. He allowed himself to be him. Mm. I mean, he didn't even dress the way that people thought he should dress. Correct. Yeah. He went out and, well, I'm not Steve Jobs. And said, that's because you're trying to be someone else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you give yourself permission to be yourself, then people actually respect you more. 
I mean, one of the things that people respect about Steve Jobs is that he was himself and, and he was himself in his own communication. I, I mean, he talked for an hour long. He did things that nobody did. Right. And he did it well. You now people go, well, I can't be Steve Jobs. I don't want you to be Steve Jobs. <laughs> you missed the point. That's the, that's the point. If you're short, I want you to be short. Now, I also say this. At the same time as you want to be yourself, you also want to be the best version of yourself. Right. So you, you don't show up in an interview wearing pajamas and not having shaved or you know, having your hair all messy. Right. You clean yourself up. You wear clothes that you know you look good in. You do the things that you need to do. That's what you do on your sure. wedding day. You're, you're showing the best version of yourself. Right. So I want you to improve yourself, but I want you to accept yourself. Oh, that's, I, it's funny because it, now that you say that, I, the, 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 I just, it just, I just hit a um, an analogy that that works really well for that too. So, so like, it's like you're you're on a first date with your audience, right? So, yeah. so basically, do, if you were on a first date, what would you look like? What would you sound like? That kind of, I don't know. Maybe that's not a good analogy because then <laughs> we tend to kind of fake. We tend to we, we tend to try to be something a little different on the first date. So yeah. maybe that's a terrible analogy. Well, well, how about this? Thing? I'm going on a date with my wife tonight. Right. So I'm going to clean up. I'm right. going to look good. I'm not going to smell bad. Right. But I'm also not going to try to be someone that she's, right. she's like, what are you trying to do? You're not that person. You know, be yourself. Right. And, and really, I think there's that, that part where we're trying to be the best version of ourselves, but we're also being the best version of ourself, not of someone else. And right. so it's been said before, and I like to say it again, that don't be a poor imitation of someone else. Be the best version of you. Right. That's great. Great, great advice. Great advice. Hey, so I'm, I've heard you speak before about um, how people create the patterns. You know, it's not, it's not, if we're nervous doing something where that's speaking in front of a group or something else, it's because we've kind of created a pattern to make that happen every time we're, we're doing the same thing and, and getting that right. result. Right. So can you kind of expand a little bit on that? Let the share with the listeners, some of those tips that you have for how to break the patterns or, or where yeah. it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Often what we've done is we, we just keep doing what we've done because we've gotten to where we are. We're, we're someplace. Right. And what we've done is we've gotten to someplace successful. I was working with one gentleman. He's leading this incredible, incredible company, right? Just amazing. So why does he need to change? I mean, after all, he's he's gotten to where he is with what he's had. Right. And so many people, that's what they do. They've gotten this pattern. It's got it's gotten me here. Why do I need to change? Well, what if just changing a little bit would cause your performance to go even further? What if just changing a little bit would engage your employees? What if changing just a little bit would make everybody's life a little bit better? Is it worth it? Sure. So in, in my book, we talk, uh, I wrote uh a book called Lead with No Fear with, with a co-author. His name is Steve Gutzer. And both of us do executive coaching. Both of us do public speaking. So we partnered together and we really thought it's not just making major changes. What if you change your patterns by just a little bit? I mean, major changes is kind of scary. You want me to quit my job and do what? You want me to all of a sudden go from being a meat eater to vegetarian? Those are major changes. And most people can't do those. Right. But you could do a, a subtle three degree shift. Sure. So to your point with the patterns, if you can just shift a little bit, notice where you are, pause, be aware of what you are doing, pause, and then start implementing something just slightly different. 
for example, uh, one of my friends was uh, very large at one point in time in his life. And so he decided that he was just going to start taking 30 minutes instead of being on the couch, 30 minutes to walk. Mm-hmm. With that small change, that's not that big of a change. He didn't join a gym. He just started walking. That and ended up leading him to eating less potato chips on the on the couch, which then made him think about cleaning up some other areas. Then eventually he lost some weight and he decided he was going to lose some more weight. It's starting so to work. This, yeah. Once you, once you kind of start to see some success, things start to change, right? Right. And he's not going to be, you know, he's not the type of person who is chiseled everything, but he is good now. He's, he's healthy now. And it started with just changing the pattern a small amount in our leadership and our mentality and our speaking, all of that, we could just change just a little bit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, and, and I know that one of the things that I've always been a big proponent of is, is energy and enthusiasm. And I've heard you kind of talk about how critical that is to success just in general, but especially in front of a group, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I like to say when I'm working with people, they say, you know, Mike, can you get rid of my nervousness? I'm like, no, and you don't want to. So right. if you scale nervousness from zero to 10, and if you're seven, eight, nine, ten, I mean, that's that's dangerous, right? It's hard, that's yeah. actually bad on your health. Nine, ten, like you, you got to do something now because that is that's bad on your health. I had a client who who pretended she lost connection on Zoom when she was speaking, just because she was that nervous. That's right. a, that's a nine, ten nervousness right there, right. right? But you actually should never get down to below a really a, probably a two, right? You want to have about a two or a three nervousness because. Nervousness means I actually care. Now, seven, eight, nine, ten means I care what people think. Two or three is I care that I'm doing a good job and I'm getting my point across. And then when you have that nervousness, flip that coin around and it turns into energy. Right. If you want to get rid of your nervousness, there's, in my opinion, there's only really two ways to completely get rid of your nervousness. Become arrogant or apathetic. <laughs> arrogant, like, I don't care. I'm the best ever. Look at me. I'm amazing. I don't care if you think I'm good because I'm amazing. Or apathetic, like, I just don't care. It just doesn't matter. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. But you want a little bit because that becomes energy. And the energy draws people. I mean, you think about when you get with people in a room and there's like a like a Seattle Seahawks because that's who I root for. If you're in the stadium before COVID, I mean the energy is just electric, and people are just going crazy, and the players feed off it. And football right. players and other sports athletes right now are saying they miss the crowds, they miss the people because there's energy. And when you go up and speak, or when you go and engage, the energy draws people in. And so I would encourage you lean into your nervousness and channel it into a power where you say, man, I am nervous, but I'm not nervous to stop me. I'm nervous to energize me to say, I got this message. We got a sales goal. Let's meet the sales goal or let's implement this. Let's, let's strategize this. We can do this, you know, be caffeinated without being caffeinated. Right. <laughs> sure. That's, it. That's fantastic. I, I'm 100% with you. The more energy and enthusiasm is contagious, the more energy that you have, the more fun it's going to be for you, the more fun it's going to be for your audience, the more interesting you are as a speaker. So can't, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I, I, in, when I, when I wrote my first uh, public speaking book, that was one of the things that I really, really focused on. I said, hey, if you can screw up every little tiny thing about a public speaking, you can screw up everything, but as long as you're enthusiastic or energetic, you're still going to kind of win your crowd over. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's just so critical. 
Yeah, I talk about that. And it's actually the last strategy of my book and speak with no fear. Oh, nice. Good. I call it channel the power. Nice. And it's this idea like you've got power within you. That's what nervousness is. It's this power. It's this electricity. It's this energy that's coursing through you. The problem is you got too much. And so I talk about how just like a dam, there's different ways that you have power that's going through the conduits to make the money or sorry, make the energy. But it's mm-hmm. also different channels. And I didn't know this until I studied this. Different channels just to spill it out. So you got ones that are penstocks and then you got spillways. And spillways are just releasing the extra negative amount of, of power through the water. And nice. then you got these penstocks that are harnessing it. So you want to harness it, like I just talked about, so that you have energy and you, you use the right amount of gestures and the right amount of vocal authority and breathe and exhale and you got this power, but you also want places to exert that extra energy. And so I talk about that in the book of just some different ways you could do it. One is actually exercise. Get your negative exercise out there, get, get it out there, channel the extra. Breathing is one. Taking pauses are, is another way to process that extra energy. Sure. To release it. But ultimately, don't get rid of it because you need it. You need it to engage the people you're talking to. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, so so real quick, tell us, um, tell the, the listeners how to kind of find your book. I'm assuming on Amazon and lots of other places as well, right? Yeah, it's all over the place. It's on Audible. It's on Kindle. It's on any bookstore that you go to. See, look, it's on Audible. You don't even have to. You just hit play and, <laughs> and you've got all of your great content right there, right? So. That, that's absolutely right. I just actually released a, a podcast that goes along with leadership and communication too. And it's right in the same vein of that. But yeah, Amazon, Mike Acker. If you just Google Mike Acker and Acker like hacker without the H, right. Mike Acker, you can find me all over Google, all over the place. You can find my company, you can find my coaching, and you can find the book to encourage you and give you takeaways to do what you need to do. And, and I'll be ha- and I'll put the links in the show notes as well, so that make it you don't even have to Google it. Just go right to just look at the bottom of the of the description. Just kind of click the link; it'll take you right to Mike's website. So, Mike, thanks a lot for being a part of uh, Fearless Presentations. Uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of this. I hope you had a good chance had a had a had a good chat with me as well, and hope that the uh, that the folks that are listening here. Um, really take some of this this great content that you're that you're giving us and put it into practice so that they become the fearless presenters as well. Anyway, so thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Doug. Appreciate you having me on your show. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 